Uh, you can take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we put all the verses inside the program. They'll be up on the, on the Jumbotron. The Holy Spirit fills the Apostle Paul and has him pen these words. These were words that God wanted us to, to, to know. God says, don't, don't worry about anything. <laughs> really? Is that, is that for real? <laughs> but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving things. And the peace of God, which is so great we cannot understand it, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beloved, peace of mind is, is big business here in America, especially on the internet. Go home today, get on your computer, tap in those three words, peace of mind, and you will see that there are over 139 million websites that come up. 139 million places where you can go to learn about peace of mind. There was a company called Peace of Mind that sold home security systems. There was a Peace of Mind funeral services. There was a reggae band called Peace of Mind. Lauren Hill sang a song called I Gotta Find Peace of Mind. There were Peace of Mind candles. You know, all you gotta do is light the candle and the smoke comes off, oh, put your peace. Unbelievable. <laughs> Ricky, did you know that? I gotta, I gotta order some. Do you know that there are peace of mind crystals? Yeah, you, you just throw them in your tub and you get into your tub and sucks all the, all the stress right out of your life. That's unbelievable. I didn't realize that. There's peace of mind body soap. You borrow soap and you just, whoop, gone. There was a site offering peace of mind through Dianetics and Scientology. There was the Hinduism Ten Commandments for peace of mind. The list just went on and on and on. And the reason there are all of these sites, 139 plus million of them, is because there's so many people stressed out in the world today. There's so many people that are just worried today. They're, they're just anxious. And unfortunately, that includes a whole lot of Christians And when you're stressed out, when you got all this worry and tension and anxiety in your life, wow, it's just hard to experience peace in your life. For some of you, it's your home. You're facing foreclosure. For some of you, it's your business. You're wondering, man, am I going to make it? Am I going to be able to make the payroll this month? For some of you, it's the business that you work for. You're wondering, can it make the payroll? You're wondering, am I going to get a pink slip? Am I going to be out of work pretty soon? For some of you, it's your kids. They're just driving you crazy, aren't they? Some of you have, have, have teenagers. <laughs> Dude, I, 
Dude, I used to have nice looking hair, man. It was a different color, and then I got a teenager and it turned gray. I, I got two more that are coming, and I'm just hoping my hair hangs on. Uh, God, I'll, just hang on, hang on. Unbelievable. For some of you, it's your parents. They're the ones that are driving you crazy, full, you know, filling your life full of stress and anxiety with the choices that they're, they're making, all that kind of stuff, right? For some of you, there's the stress of wanting to have children. You long to have a, a baby, but for whatever reason, the sovereignty of God hadn't opened up your womb yet. Everybody around you is having babies, and you want a baby. For some of you, you, you want to get married. You want to have a spouse, but, but for whatever reason, God hasn't brought one into your life, and so there's all this stress. You're anxious. For some of you, it's a health situation. They discovered a lump. They took an x-ray, and there's a, there's a spot. You have some upcoming surgery. Some of you are here today and you're ready to blow. Some of you are going, no, pastor, I've already blown. My spouse was, took the brunt end of my, my children my employees. Some of you, you got some bad habit in your life. There's some sin that just keeps nipping at your heels and, and you, just, you just can't get a handle on it. For some of you, it's, it's that loved one who's got some sin in their life, some habit that's just, it's just causing all kinds of problems, stress, anxiety, and you're ready to blow. And the Bible says that somehow peace is available. Hmm. You see, that is the good news because God's word is truth. God has promised that you can experience peace of mind regardless of what's happening in your life. In fact, it's one of the greatest needs you have as a human being. And somehow prayer, somehow talking with God is, is the key. Dr. MacArthur said this, he said, prayer is the antidote to worry and the cure for anxiety. And prayer is the pathway to peace. So the question becomes, what should you pray? If prayer somehow is, is the key to relieving the stress, if, if prayer is the key to re relieving the, the tension and the anxiety that every one of us face. Every one of us has, has been there. And if you're not there today, buckle your seatbelt because tomorrow's a new day. 
I'll bet every one of us in here, if we were honest, would say, you know what? Not only have I been there, but I've blown. The stress just got so bad, I just blew. So what do you pray? If, if prayer is the key, you know, you know, what do you pray? Well, this brings us to today's message. At a little over 2,000 years ago, the disciples came to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, would, would you teach us how to pray? And he did. Jesus taught these guys how to pray. He gave them a, a model, if you will, of how to pray. He gave them a, a pattern uh, on how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer today. And it's a series that we're involved in here at Big Belly Grace. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus tells the disciples, guys, when you pray, when, when you talk with God, the, the first thing you need to understand is who it is you're talking to. You're, you're talking to your Father, your Father in heaven. The first thing Jesus wants us to understand is that God longs to have a relationship with you. And so Jesus says, guys, when you pray, boy, you're praying to your Father. But then he says, now, now look, after you understand who it is you're praying to, you then need to understand his holiness, how sacred he is, how holy he is, hallowed be thy name. The, 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 your, your father in heaven isn't like your earthly father. Your father in heaven is different. Holy, sacred, set apart. There's nobody like him. So honor his name, glorify his name, revere his name. Then Jesus says, and this is what we're going to focus on today. Guys, after you recognize who it is you're, you're talking to, and after it is, you know, you, you, you recognize how holy and sacred and, and different he is, the first thing that you need to ask for before you pray for anything else, before you ask for anything else, guys, is you pray that God's kingdom would come. You pray that God would come. Before you rattle off your list of stuff, the very first thing you ask for, the very first thing you pray for is, oh God, may your kingdom come. And may your will be done in my life. May your will be done down here on planet Earth, just like it's being done in heaven. And I believe that this is the key to experiencing God's peace in your life down here on planet Earth. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor Rick, what does this have to do with finding peace of mind? What does this have to do with lowering my stress level? What does this have to do with, with lowering my anxiety level or, or that I might experience, you know, God's peace in my life? Well, I think it has a lot to do with it. And for you to fully understand it, I gotta take you back to the very beginning of time. I gotta take you back to the, the book of Genesis. You see, the Bible tells us that there was a time when God's kingdom was right here on planet Earth. In fact, it was the only kingdom down here on planet Earth, which means that God's will was done perfectly right here on planet Earth. 
There was a time when you would have never had to have prayed, God, send your kingdom. God, may your will be done down here on planet Earth. Because God's kingdom was the only kingdom here. His will was done perfectly down here on planet Earth. But then something horrible happened. Genesis chapter 3 says this. The serpent, the devil, Satan, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied, Eve replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, because if you do, you will die. You won't die, Satan replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both what is good and what is evil. And that might be the only time Satan ever told the truth, by the way. Basically, what he was saying was, hey, Eve, you eat that piece of fruit. Adam, you eat that piece of fruit, and here's what's going to happen. Everything gets to change. You get to decide what's right and what's wrong. You get to decide what's moral and what's immoral. No longer is that in God's hands. No longer is God the one who decides right and wrong. But you get to do that. Verse 6 says, the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. For those of us that name the name of Christ, Genesis chapter 3 is one of those weighty passages. If you don't understand what takes place in Genesis chapter 3, it's hard for you to understand really much of anything else that goes on in life. Beloved, up until this point, God's kingdom was the only kingdom down here on planet Earth, which means his will was done perfectly down here on planet Earth. But at the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned, at the very moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, everything changed. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, that ushered in a second kingdom. There were now two kingdoms down here on planet Earth. There was God's kingdom, and now you had man's kingdom. And these two kingdoms have been at war ever since. Why? Why are these two kingdoms at war? Well, let me give you four thoughts. Number one, each of these kingdoms has its own king. Right there causes trouble. Causes trouble in a marriage, huh? When both the husband and wife are the kings, right? Jesus is the king in God's kingdom. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Satan is the 
king of man's kingdom. The Bible says in John chapter 12, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Satan, who is the God of this age. One of the reasons why these two kingdoms are at war is because there's two different kings. But each of these kingdoms also has its own people. In John chapter 1, it says, He, that's Jesus, came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Jesus also came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him, all who accepted him, he gave those the right to become children of God. Jesus was talking to a group of religious leaders one day, and Jesus said this to them in John chapter 8. Jesus said, you are the children of your father, the devil. These kingdoms are at war with one another because they have two different kings, and there's two different groups of people within these two kingdoms. Number three, each of these kingdoms has its own desires. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the, the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. These two kingdoms each have their own king. These two kingdoms each have their own people. And these two kingdoms each have their own desires. But number four is this. Each of these kingdoms has its own destiny. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 25. He said, all the nations, that's just people, will be gathered in his presence. And then Jesus is going to separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king, that's Jesus, will say to those on his right, come you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Then the king, that's Jesus, will turn to those on his left, the goats, and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and the demons. And the goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, will go into eternal life. Genesis chapter 3 is just a foundational passage, if you know the Lord. Lots of Crummy things happened in Genesis chapter 3 there. A lot of horrible things happened when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. And man, it just ushered in this second kingdom. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate in John chapter 18? Jesus said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Beloved, when, when we pray God's kingdom come, this doesn't necessarily have to do with geographical territory, but rather to, to sovereignty, 
to, to dominion. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're praying for God's absolute rule to come. We're praying for the day that Jesus Christ reigns supreme down here on planet Earth. And obviously, he doesn't reign supreme down here on planet Earth. He obviously reigns supreme in a lot of our lives and hearts. I get it. We're praying for the coming millennial kingdom, which you can read about in Revelation chapter 20. That's what we're praying for. You see, God's kingdom is a place where God's rules and, and, and his will is obeyed perfectly. It's a place where, where God's purposes are accomplished perfectly. And someday, God's kingdom will come, which means that God's will will be absolutely done perfectly. But until then, Jesus says, look, the first thing you pray for, the very first thing you ask for before you ask for anything else, as you ask for God to come. You get your focus there. Understand who you're talking to. He's holy and righteous and sacred. Before you ask for anything, you ask for him to come. You ask for his kingdom to come. You ask that his will might be done in your life, that his will would be done here on planet Earth, just like it's done in, in heaven. Now, one of the Huge results of these dueling kingdoms is stress. Genesis chapter 3 brought all kinds of stress, all kinds of anxiety, all kinds of tension. You can easily lose your peace of mind down here on planet Earth because you've got all these competing thoughts, all these competing ideas, all these competing desires that are bouncing around inside your one mind, you see. Paul put it like this in Galatians 7. He said, the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desire, desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And they're not fighting each other out here. They're fighting each other in here. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, Paul really captures this idea. Paul's talking about his own life here. He says, I don't really understand myself. Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's my life. I don't understand myself. I'm in good company. The great apostle Paul struggled, didn't he? For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It's, it's the sin that lives within me. It, it's the one that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is inside my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I, I'm not really the one doing the wrong. It's sin that lives within me that does it. 
I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power with, within me that is at war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I get it. I get it. Genesis chapter 3 ushered in the second kingdom. Sin entered the world. I have this sinful nature now. And man, I know what God's word says, and I long to follow God's word. I long to obey God. I, I long to do his will, but wow, there are times when, man, I do just the opposite. There's just times when there's a civil war that's going on within my life. Now, as I said earlier, there's good news. Even though you live in the midst of these dueling kingdoms, which causes a whole lot of stress, God says that his peace is available. How? How can you experience God's peace in your life while you're waiting for God's kingdom to come and for God's you know, will to be done? How, how does that happen? Well, I'm going to give you a couple thoughts. Okay, number one, you experience God's peace only through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes only through a relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ. You don't get the peace of God by coming to church here as good as it is. You don't experience God's peace because you gave an offering a little bit ago, as good as that might be. You don't experience peace with God because you brought a, a backpack. The Pope can't give you peace. Mary can't give you peace. I can't give you peace. You only experience peace with God one way, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. Beloved, the, the Bible clearly teaches that those who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are at war with God. They're enemies with God. The Bible says while we were enemies with God, he made us his friends to the death of his son. Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Now, most unbelievers don't think of themselves as, as enemies of God because they don't actively oppose his work or whatever. In fact, most unbelievers would probably consider themselves neutral as it relates to the things of God. I know I did. I never would have considered myself an enemy of God. If people wanted to gather like this on Sunday morning, great, good for them. I didn't care. In fact, I was happy you guys were doing good things. If you wanted to give, give. If you wanted to pray, pray. If you wanted to have communion, have communion. It didn't bother me. I would have considered myself neutral as it related to the things of God. But it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is, is what does God think? And God says, no, Rick. You weren't neutral as it related to me. 
We were enemies. We were enemies. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, anyone who is not with me is against me. And anyone who does not work with me is working against me. That's what Jesus said. It didn't didn't matter what I thought. The word of God is crystal clear. That if you don't know Jesus, let me tell you something. You're an enemy of God. You're working against him. Even though you may go, you guys give away your backpacks. I don't care. One scholar said the mind of, of every unsaved person is at peace only with the things of the flesh. That's man's kingdom. And therefore, by definition, is hostile towards God, his kingdom, and cannot be otherwise. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind. And the peace that I give is a, is a gift that the world can't give. He's not saying that the world can't give peace. The world can. But it's bogus. It's different than the peace that Christ gives. Beloved, peace of mind isn't something you work for. Peace of mind isn't some candle that you burn. Peace of mind isn't a bar of soap that you rub all over your body. Peace of mind isn't about crystals that you put in your bathtub and get in. You can't make peace with God through a bar of soap. You don't beg for peace. You don't plead for peace. God says it's simply a gift to you. And that gift was Jesus Christ, his son. Warren Worsby said, in the world, peace is something you hope for or you work for. But to the Christian, peace is God's wonderful gift received by faith. Unsaved people enjoy peace when there's an absence of trouble. Christians enjoy peace in spite of troubles because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Here's the bottom line. You can't experience the peace of God until you first make peace with God. Does that make sense? This incredible gift that God offers, his peace, peace of mind. You can't experience it unless you first make peace with God. And the only way you make peace with God is through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. So the first step in experiencing peace of mind is to settle the issue of who's in control of your life. Are you in control of your life? Or is God in control of your life? Is God your father in heaven? Is God, you know, your your king? Are you one of his children? Does does his desire trump yours? Is God's name holy to you? Is God's name sacred to you? 
Beloved, you'll never experience God's peace, true peace of mind apart from him, never. Now, like I said, man's kingdom has a peace. This world can give you a peace. It's usually wrapped up maybe in, you know, maybe smoking some weed or drinking some beer or having sex or, or, or whatever it is. And there is this temporary peace that the world can give, but it's just so bogus. It's unbelievably bogus. And it comes with a huge price tag. The peace that God offers is just unbelievably different than what the world offers. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your, what's the next word? Souls. Listen, listen to me. The world can't give you any rest for your souls. The rest, the peace that Jesus offers is way deeper. You know, you can get on a plane and head to Hawaii and you can find rest for your physical bodies. You can get on a plane and head to the Bahamas and sit on a beach and wow, your physical body can be relaxed. But you get back on the plane and you fly back over here and you can still have zero peace of mind because the only way you get that peace of mind, that rest for your soul, is through Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah said this, he said, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the first step in experiencing true peace of mind is through a relationship with the Prince of Peace. And that's Jesus Christ. For some of you, this has to be your decision today. Some of you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ, never. Maybe you've come to church and Maybe you bought a backpack and maybe you sing the songs, but you've never surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ, never. You've never invited him in. You've simply been a part of man's kingdom. And today's the day you need to say, you know what, I'm changing that. Today I'm going to have a new king of my life. I'm going to invite the, the prince of peace into my life. Now, after you've given your life over to Jesus Christ, having or experiencing peace of mind isn't necessarily an automatic thing. I know a lot of Christians who, yes, they know the Lord. Yes, they've invited the Prince of Peace into their life, right? But they don't experience God's peace. Why is that? Well, it's because they didn't do number two. Number two is you experience God's peace when you focus your life on God's kingdom. You focus your life on God's will. You see, you can invite Jesus into your life and he'll come into your life, but you can still have your focus down here. See, right from the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus puts the focus on God, not us. The focus is on God's name, not ours. The focus is on God's kingdom, not ours. The focus is on God's will, not ours. 
And this is the key to experiencing God's peace in your life. Beloved, you tell me what you're focused on. You tell me what, what, where, where you're burning your juice, and I'll tell you whether or not you're experiencing the peace of mind that Christ offers. Beloved, the Lord's Prayer is all about getting our minds focused on God. It's, it's all about getting our minds focused on God's kingdom and God's will. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think so few of our prayers are focused there. A father, boom, and then we're right down here into our world, our stuff. And we get done praying, and guess what? Still got all the stress and all the stuff. We're still ready to blow. Because you never got your focus here. It was never there. Beloved, there's no peace of mind like the peace of mind that comes when you've surrendered your life over to God and his will, when you're totally focused on, on him and his will for your life. Let, let me give you four different wills that you can focus on, and I want you to think about this, Christian. You can focus your life and your energy on your will. You can do that as a Christian, even as someone who knows Christ. I would say most of the Christians that I know, that's where most of their focus is. It's on their will, their desires. Number two, you can focus your life and your energy on somebody else's will. I know a lot of Christians who do that. They're so worried about what everybody else thinks, man, that that's what drives them. Not, not God's kingdom, not God's will being done, but gee, what, what do they think? And I just, I don't want them to be happy. I don't want them to be mad at me. And so you never can say no to anything. And you're just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of you are married. And your mama's will still runs your life. Your father's will still runs your life. And you're married. It's ruining your marriage but it's also ruining the peace of mind that God has for you because you're so worried about what your mother thinks, you're so worried about what your father thinks, always checking in with them and you, know, you don't want to make them happy or your Uncle Joe or whoever it might be instead of saying, you know what, what matters is, is God's will. So you can focus in on your will, you can focus in on somebody else's will. There was this great moment when um, Peter and John were detained, if you will, by uh, the religious leaders, and they said, hey, listen, pal, stop talking about Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus, there's going to be trouble. In Acts chapter 4, it says, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? You see, these religious leaders had a will for their life. Quit talking about Jesus. Everybody's got a will for your life. Everybody's got a thought about your life. Some of you have children, and you're not interested in God's will for your children. You just want them to be a great athlete. I want my kid to be an athlete. My kid's going to be, you know, you know, Harvard PhD. Yes. You know, you're not interested in what God's will is for their life. It's what you want for their life. You can focus your life and energy on Satan's will. 
lot of people do that. Or number four, you can focus your life and your energy on God's will. And maybe there are other choices, I don't know, but you got your will you can focus on? You got somebody else's will you can focus on? You can focus on Satan's will, or you can focus on God's will. Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 22. He said, submit to God. Put your focus on God. Put your energy, your juice on God and his will, and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Listen to his instructions and store them in your heart. And the thought there in the Hebrew is this. It's not just that you have all this information up here. The the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they had the whole Old Testament memorized, but they weren't interested in God's will one bit. It's when you read the word and you say, God, I just don't want to read it, you know, and just know it. I want to read it and know it that I would do it. I want to follow you, you see? Psalm 119 says, great peace. Great peace. Have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. One version says, those who love your teachings will find True peace. In other words, there is a false peace out there. I've experienced it many times, and so have probably most of you. Christian, every morning you get up, you make a decision as to who's going to run your life. Here it is. You, somebody else, Satan, or God. And you get to make the call. Every day you wake up, you make a decision as to whose agenda you're going to follow. You're going to follow your agenda, somebody else's agenda, Satan's agenda, or God's. Every day you wake up, you make a decision as to who's going to call the shots in your life. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be somebody else? Going to be Satan? Or is it going to be God? And if God and his will aren't the focus of your life, I want you to know, you're never going to experience his peace, never. Isaiah chapter 26 says you, that's God, will keep in perfect peace. Boy, don't you want that? How do you get that? You, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust you. All who say, God, I want your will to be done. Oh, God, I, I want your will to be done in my life. That's basically what, it, what Isaiah is saying here. Those who thoughts are fixed on you. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll never be at peace unless you're actually following Christ. If, if you're a follower of Christ... The only way you're going to experience this deep, true, great peace is you have to follow Christ. His will for your life. His purposes for your life. His desires for your life. Listen, when God is speaking to you, and he says, this is my will, and you choose to blow him off, 
there's just not going to be any peace. Not the peace that, that God offers. There just can't be. The reason so many of you are just stressed out here today is because you're just not sold out to God's kingdom. You're a Christian and you come and you may even support what we do here a little bit, you know. But really, your agenda trumps God's agenda. <laughs> this isn't that. For so many people, this moment right here is not a holy moment. Sunday morning at 1045 isn't a sacred moment for them. I know too many Christians, soccer is a more sacred moment than this is. They wouldn't dream of missing a soccer match. They wouldn't dream of missing a softball game. That is a set-apart time. That's a holy moment. That's a sacred moment. This? They'll blow this off in a nanosecond. Look, Jesus said, man, he's your father in heaven and you're the children. Remember, he's holy. He's holy. He's sacred. Before you ask for anything, focus on his kingdom coming. Focus on his will being done in your life. What does he want? What does he desire? This holy and sacred and set apart God, what is he? He want for you. I know what the world wants. I know what your children want. The issue is, is what does God want for you? What's God's desire? He's the king. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Beloved, listen to me. God's will is absolutely perfect. It's tailor-made just for you. Before the foundations of the world, he thought about you. He gave you your gifts and your talents and your abilities and all this stuff. And he's got a plan for your life. His will is perfect for you, tailor-made for you. But not only is it perfect and tailor-made for you, it's pleasing. When it's all said and done, wow, you'll go, dude, this, that was unbelievable. I thought somehow, you know, doing that was going to bring me joy. That was going to bring me peace. That was what, no, and God said, no, 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 no. My will is, is perfect, and when it's all said and done, you'll see that it's pleasing. But not only is it pleasing, God says, you'll find out that it's good. It's good. It's good. Whatever else is out there tempting you, you know, well, that's really good. That's really cool. No, 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 no. God says, my will for you is perfect and it's pleasing and it's good. It's good. Jesus said this in John 16. I've told you all this so that trusting me, putting your focus on me, putting your energy on me and my will, you will be unshakable and assured. And then he said, deeply at peace. 
the reason why so many of you, though you know Christ, aren't experiencing this deep, true, great peace is because God and his will, they're important. I'm not saying they're not important. They're just not central in your life. Everything else that's out there just kind of gets in the way instead of saying, oh, God, I want you to come. And while I wait for you to come, may your will be done in my life. May your will be done in my family's life. Oh, God, I want your will to be done in my kid's life. Some of you are thinking, you know, okay, Pastor Rick, I, I, I got it, but how, how do I know God's will? Let me tell you something. You experience God's will. God will let his will be known to you when you pray that prayer, the Lord's Prayer. God, I want to know your will. God, I want to know your will. Look, his will isn't hidden under a bush. It's not hidden in a cave or under a rock somewhere. God wants you to know his will for your life, and you will know it when you earnestly Say, God, I want to know it. He'll, he'll reveal it to you. He'll do it. And this is what I want you to do. Just, just real quickly. Will you slip down to your knees if you're physically able or stay in your chair, I, it, whatever. I just want you to get alone with the Lord for a moment. Just be alone, okay? And some of you right now, don't worry about who's sitting next to you. Don't worry about your wife or whatever. Don't worry about your kids. We're, we're taking care of your kids for you. Don't worry about any of that. Some of you right now need to say, Jesus, I didn't realize I was at war with you. And I want to settle that right now. I, I invite you into my life right now. I want to make peace with you right now. I make you the king of my life. I want to be in your kingdom, God. Come into my life and cleanse me of my sin. I want to be one of your children, one of your people. I want to have your desires, God. For most of you, maybe you just need to repent and say, God, you know what? I haven't been about the Father's business. I've been about my own. I got my own desires. I've been thinking about somebody else's desires, but I haven't thought a lot about yours. And today I'm putting a stake in the ground and I am going to make my prayers about your will being done in my life, my family's life. Let me know what your will is, God. while you're just kind of quiet before the Lord here and over in the venue. If you're here and you prayed and you invited the Prince of Peace to come into your life, I want you to go into the altar room. There's one in the venue and there's one in here. And go up to one of our pastors, one of our elders, one of our spiritual leaders and say, hey, I prayed today. I've made Jesus my king today. And let us rejoice with you. Let us welcome you into God's family. Let us give you maybe your first Bible. There have been people that have gone in there all weekend have given their life to Christ, the Prince of Peace. 
Maybe you're here and man, your balloon has just popped. You're, 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 you're so tight, you couldn't even hear anything that I preached on today. Would you go in there and let us pray for you? The spiritual leaders of the church, guess what? We've all been there many times. We get it. We understand it. We're not a bunch of guys who don't understand anything. We get it. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe there's just something going on in your life right now that's really stressing you out and you just want some wisdom on it. In a moment here, go in there. Let us pray for you. There's a great song, great chorus. We've been ending each one of these messages with a, with a song, and this is a great one. I want you to stand right now, and let's sing this together. Pastor Scott, would you, would you lead us? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my life thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. shall be sight the clouds be rolled back as a scroll the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well. My soul. 